Hello, divers. Coming to you from Studio D, this is the Deep Dive Microcast. I'm Tom Feeney, raconteur, charm school graduate, and writer for Wings Chop Movie Magazine. This is a companion series of the Deep Dive Podcast, where myself and my co-host, Manda, look at the lesser-known, maybe obscure, and perhaps forgotten offerings available on streaming media services. One of the most eagerly awaited movies in recent memory is the so-called Snyder Cut of the 2017 film Justice League, recently released on the HBO Max streaming platform. Now, the complex and convoluted story of the Snyder Cut has been told elsewhere and in great detail, so we won't be going there. In this episode of the Deep Dive Microcast, we'll exhume the cold remains of another, lesser-known Justice League movie, one that should probably remain buried. Join us for a brief history of the Justice League movie you've never seen. Before we get to the rotting meat and potatoes of this episode's topic, let's go back to the beginning. Back to 1940, with the first comic book appearance of the Justice Society of America, the precursor to the Justice League. The comic book was designed to be kind of like minor league tryouts. If a character like Green Lantern or The Flash became popular enough to get their own comic book title, they'd conveniently leave the Justice Society and be replaced with another character. Now, Superman, Batman, and Wonder Woman, who already had their own titles, were considered reserve members. In a clear sign of less enlightened times, Wonder Woman was considered the Justice Society's secretary. Yikes. Interest in superheroes waned in the 1950s, with the majority of costumed crime fighters being put out to pasture, with the exception of the big three. Of course, that's Superman, Batman, and Wonder Woman. That would change a decade later, during what would be called the Silver Age of Comics. Many DC heroes would be revived in newer, more modern incarnations. With these new heroes would come a new team the Justice League of America. The very first appearance of the JLA in another medium would come in 1967 from animation studio Filmation. The Superman Aquaman Hour of Adventure aired on CBS as a series of six-minute stories featuring several DC heroes, including the Justice League of America. The Justice League of America, the combined might and power of the Man of Steel and the Cosmic Crusader, the Winged Avenger and the King of the Sea, the Tiny Titan and the Scarlet Streak, all working together for good against evil as The Justice League of America! Some of you eagle-eared listeners might recognize the voice of actor Ted Knight 
Best known from Caddyshack and The Mary Tyler Moore Show. In his early career, Knight was a prolific voiceover artist for many Filmation and Hanna-Barbera cartoons. Now, if you belong to Generation X or Gen X, you remember spending Saturday mornings glued to the tube, eating cookie crisp cereal out of the box while flipping through the vast selection of, well, three networks. There was Scooby-Doo, Sigmund and the Sea Monsters, Shazam and Speed Buggy. You had Land of the Lost, The Lost Saucer, and Laugh Olympics. It was a golden age of garbage aimed directly at kids and their parents' wallets. And there was no lack of superhero representation either. That included an extremely kid-friendly, at times annoyingly so, version of the Justice League. It featured a toned-down and stripped-down team of heroes along with the prerequisite two teenagers and a talking dog. In the great hall of the Justice League, there are assembled the world's four greatest heroes, created from the cosmic legends of the universe. Superman. Wonder Woman. Batman! Aquaman! And those three junior super friends, Wendy, Marvin, and Wonder Dog. Their mission, to fight injustice, to right that which is wrong, and to serve all mankind. Hey, it's Ted Knight again. Well, the Super Friends premiered September 8th, 1973 on the ABC network. Why was it called Super Friends and not Justice League? Well, there's no official answer, but it makes sense that if you were making a superhero show that was aimed at young children and offered no violence or conflict of any kind, you'd call it something equally boring. You see, around that time that Super Friends was being produced, a parents group called Action for Children's Television was campaigning hard for limitations on depictions of violence, antisocial behavior, and especially commercial advertising during kid shows. This meant that our intrepid heroes and their uh, sidekicks mostly dealt with natural disasters or mad scientists. Now, one of the more cringeworthy elements of the show were the animated PSAs or public service announcements that would give important life lessons to the kiddies at home. Holy harvest, Batman. Good to be out in the country. Batman, Robin! Hi, Mr. Brown. Robin and I were hoping we could buy a snack. This is the place to get some great ones. Be my guest. Apples, tomatoes, celery, it all looks good to me. Right, Robin. Fresh fruits and vegetables make some of the best snacks there are. What do we have, Batman? Any of them, Robin, you can't miss. That hits the spot. Better than junk food, Robin. That's right, kids. The dynamic duo often take the Batmobile out in broad daylight to the farmstead to buy lots of fresh produce. You know the Joker doesn't eat his veggies. Not with that complexion. Well, the Super Friends ran in various forms up until 1985. The JLA weren't seen on the small screen again for another decade. 
1997 was an eventful year, to say the least. President William Jefferson Clinton begins his second term. Daft Punk releases its first album, R.I.P. The WNBA holds its first ever game. And James Cameron's Titanic opens to massive box office success. Well, speaking of legendary disasters like the Titanic, another movie was unleashed upon an unsuspecting populace that year. And it was called, you guessed it, Justice League of America. This was not a theatrical film, however. It was a made-for-TV movie and a pilot for a potential TV series on CBS. Now, the reason you've probably never heard of it and the reason why it never became a series are one and the same. It was terrible. It was so bad, it never actually aired in the U.S. It's been shown to TV audiences in other countries, including the U.K., but Justice League of America was never seen in America. Was it really that bad? Well, the short answer is yes. The long answer is also yes, but I will try to expand on that. Roughly a decade earlier, in 1987, a new Justice League comic book was published by DC. This version, featuring mostly B-list heroes, was published with a more comedic tone and dealt more with the various characters' unique personalities and how they rarely got along with each other. It was this less serious version that inspired the made-for-TV movie. Now, it wasn't necessarily a bad idea, but it was executed so poorly that the original intention just didn't matter. It was overshadowed by the awful production value, acting, and direction. Now, the basic, very basic plot here revolves around Tori, a female meteorologist who discovers that her boss is a climate-controlling supervillain named, and I'm not joking, the Weatherman. Very creative. Tori discovers the Weatherman's secret lab and accidentally activates one of his machines, inadvertently giving her freezing powers. Now, the members of the Justice League, which in this version include the Flash, Green Lantern, Martian Manhunter, and the Atom, think that Tori is the villain. Now, cooler heads prevail, of course, and instead she is invited to join the JLA as the new hero, also cleverly named Ice. And they team up to defeat the Weatherman. I hope you were able to follow that incredibly complex plot because I am not going to repeat myself. You could easily tell that no one involved had any love or reverence for these characters. Their personalities were all wrong, the costumes were just pitiful, and the overall tone was just plain silly. Now keep in mind, this was the same year that Batman Forever nearly killed superhero movies because of its campier tone. Needless to say, this is one pilot that never got off the ground, and we should all be grateful for that. Whatever your feelings are about the recent Justice League film or the Snyder Cut, consider yourself fortunate that you never sat through the mess that was 1997's Justice League of America TV movie. Wait, what? You, you want to see it? You're curious? Well, okay, if you're a true glutton for punishment or just... I don't know, interested in 90s nostalgia, you can endure the Justice League of America TV movie in its entirety, at least for now, on the Daily Motion streaming platform, available on most streaming devices and smart TVs, as well as dailymotion.com. And it's there for the completely justifiable price of free. 
Thanks for listening. If this is the first time you've heard this podcast, check out our past episodes and subscribe so you don't miss a single one. And we want to hear from you. Drop us a line at the Deep Dive Podcast at gmail.com or on our Facebook, Instagram, or Twitter feeds. You can find links to those on our website, thedeepdivepodcast.com. All clips used in the Deep Dive Microcast are meant for educational purposes only and not to infringe on existing copyrights. The Deep Dive Lounge theme was arranged and performed by Robert Acorn, based on the original composition by Ryan Blaney. The Deep Dive Microcast is a production of Automaton Studios.